Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we begin a fascinating series called The Invisible War. Join us as we delve deep into the mysteries of the unseen realm talked about in the Bible. In this series, Rick unravels the profound connections between the spiritual dimensions and our everyday lives, showing how the spiritual realm impacts us in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called, When You Feel Like Giving Up. You know, uh, yesterday afternoon, I was sitting up in my, uh, my study at home, had the window open, such a beautiful day, and uh, all of a sudden I thought, Man, somebody's cooking barbecue. You know, when you get that smell and you just know the, the coals are getting ready and it's, man, that's good. And, but then as the time went on, I go, that's not barbecue, that's trash. Somebody's burning trash. <clears throat> and then as I smelled it a little bit longer, I said, that's not trash, that's a grass fire. So I went out in my backyard and there's a big fire going on. Because uh, I live out in the canyon, and it, the, the fire was coming up the canyon, so Kay gets the phone and calls the fire department. So we just got a call. We're on our way. Five trucks show up, and the helicopters, you know, dropping stuff and like that. And so about an hour before the service, I'm out with my hose watering all my precious fruit trees down. And, uh, you know, I, I finished that, and then, uh, you know, I'm nearly late to the service, and so I hop into my truck real quick and... Uh, and the battery's dead. Now, folks, this is something you learned a long time ago. It's a great principle of life. It's just three words. It's always something. Okay? You're never going to have a problem-free life. It's always something. You're either just coming out of a problem, or you're in the middle of a problem, or you're getting ready to go into a new one. Because life is simply a string of problems. It's always something. Now, this letter is old, but... It's still true today. Dear Pastor Rick, if I could sum up my life in a single word, it would be conflict. It seems I have to fight for everything. Everything is a battle. I battle with my kids. I battle with my husband. I battle with my job. It's even tough with my walk with the Lord. And we struggle. We struggle with our money. We struggle with our intimate life. We struggle even just to understand each other. Plus, I've got all my internal struggles, all my internal fears and battles. I just can't seem to stick with stuff, even when I know it's the right thing to do. Why is life so tough? Will the battle ever end? I really hope so, because sometimes I, I just feel like walking away from it all. Good question. Why is life so tough? Well, it wasn't always that way. In the Garden of Eden, it was paradise. But John Milton wrote a poem about it called Paradise Lost. And when Adam and Eve decided, we're going to go our way instead of our, our God's way, all the problems started, and every one of us have done the same thing since. It's called sin. Saying, God, I think I know what will make me happy more than you do, so I'm going to disobey what you've said to do, and I'm going to do what I think is right. And that is the source of all the problems in the world, and sin entered the world, and the world is broken. Now, we've talked about this many times. Nothing on earth is perfect. Everything on this planet is broken by sin. The weather is broken. That's why we have all these weird catastrophes and things. 
The economy is broken. Your body is broken. It doesn't work perfectly. Have you noticed that? And, and um, you know, uh, no relationship works. It, they're all broken. Every, relation, every family is broken. There is no perfect family. There is no perfect marriage. There's no perfect friendship. Nothing is perfect on this planet except the truth of God's word. And God said when the Adam and Eve got kicked out of paradise, they said, uh, now it's going to be hard because everything's broken and life is hard. That's why we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, God's will is done perfectly. It's rarely done on earth. We choose to do our own will and people get hurt and we hurt ourselves. Now, in addition to this fall of sin, there's a cosmic battle going on for your life. I don't know if you realize this or not, but I call it the invisible war. And there are forces out to destroy your soul. The Bible specifically calls them the world, the flesh, and the devil. There is first the battle inside you. That's the battle within, which is your own sinful nature. It it is your predisposition to make the wrong choice. I mean, have you ever done things that were actually self-destructive, but you did it anyway? Yes. Have you ever done things that you knew were wrong, and you did them anyway? Yes. Have you ever done things that were actually harmful or not beneficial to your life, but you still chose to do them anyway? Yes. And you make these choices, and I make these choices all the time. And there's a constant battle within with what the Bible calls the flesh, or the sinful, or the old nature. And it's a struggle. It's why you start a new habit and then you stop it. And you give up halfway through the diet or you give up halfway through the plan to get in shape or you give up halfway through the I'm going to do this. There's the battle within. There's the battle around you and that's the world. That's our culture. And everything in our culture tries to tear you down. It's not trying to build you up. Culture's not trying to build you up. Culture tries to tear you down. It says, you're worthless, you don't matter, you don't count, you're nothing unless you're absolutely gorgeous and the smartest and the most athletic and the rest of you tough. If you don't make it to number one, you're a nobody. And the world is always trying to get you through peer pressure and things to to do things that really you don't even want to do a lot of times. But I need to do it in order to keep up with the Joneses. By the way, forget about keeping up with the Joneses. They just refinanced. Okay? And they're headed for bankruptcy, so you don't want to try to keep up with them. But then there's the battle against you, and that is Satan. The devil is real. Oh, yes, there is a real Satan. Now, he's not equal to God. He was created by God, rebelled against God. And there is real good, and there is real evil in the world. If you don't believe it, let me take you on a world tour. I have seen the atrocities of real evil. More people are in slavery today than were in during the Civil War. 14 million in slave trafficking, uh, sex trafficking alone. And there is real evil and real torture in the world, and Satan, of course, is behind that. And so there's this war on your life, and that's why everything's hard. That's why everything's a battle. That's why this life is not easy. It's tough. Now, there's a group of men and women in the Bible that God calls his heroes of faith that won the battle. And they're there in the Bible for us to learn how to fight the battle. It's in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame. And if you'll take out your message notes, we're going to look at this passage at the end of it in in detail. These are people who fought the battle well, ended well. I want you to end the race well. 
And in the early part of Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about people you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Gideon and and Samson and uh, the prophets. And it just talks about a lot of these uh, men and women of faith who fought the battle well. Now, I want you to be able to fight the battle well, and I want you to understand your ammunition. So we're going to go into a major series this summer that I'm calling the Invisible War. This is a time you need to understand the spiritual forces aimed against you and the spiritual resources you have to fight those forces. You don't have to be afraid of Satan, but you do need to know what to do in each circumstance. Now, learning to live by faith involves pain. You can't learn to live by faith if you always live by your feelings. So sometimes God takes away your feelings and actually allows some bad feelings in your life. It's easy to love God and serve God when things are going great. It's when life sucks that real faith shows up. It's when life is terrible, when life is not going my way, when everything's going the wrong way, that's when real faith shows up. Faith doesn't promise a perfect, easygoing life. This is not heaven. This is earth. This is the learning stage. This is the preschool. This is the, this is the uh, learn it all in the school of hard knocks stage. So learning to live by faith includes, you know, facing pain. It involves delayed prayers. It even involves some unrealized promises of God. In, in Hebrews 11, after explaining all these great giants, Uh, The writer of Hebrews then begins to talk about people who lived by faith but didn't get what they wanted in life. Who went through tough times, torture and problems and difficulties. Let's pick it up in Hebrews chapter 11 there on your outline, verse 35. It says, but others, you know, after talking about all these Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, others trusted God and they were tortured preferring to die rather than to turn from God and be free. Did you know that more people died for their faith, for believing in Jesus Christ in the last 100 years than all the previous centuries combined? Did you know that 14 million people a year die simply because they're Christians? They're killed because of that around the world? You don't hear much about that. It says these people were tortured, preferring to to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection for a better life. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips and others were chained in dungeons. He says, these are people of faith too. Some died by stoning and some were sawed in half and others were killed with a sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats and hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They were too good. I'd like God to be able to say that about me and you. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground and All these people that we've mentioned received God's approval. In other words, they were doing the right thing because of their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind. Notice, God had far better things in mind. For us, that's talking to us, that would also benefit them. And they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. Whoa, that's pretty heavy. So let's just look at this for a minute. This passage teaches three very profound truths. I could spend the entire morning just on this section, but I want to get to the practical parts here. But let me point out three things. First, faith doesn't spare us from pain. You can be doing the right thing and be in pain. Okay? Sometimes we suffer for doing good. 
And then the second thing is that some of God's promises will be fulfilled in eternity. Now, you see, we think all of the promises God makes to us, and there are over 7,000 of them in the Bible, that these promises have to be fulfilled while we're here on earth. But you're going to live far longer than just here on earth. You're going to live for eternity. God has all of eternity to fulfill his promises. And just because a promise isn't fulfilled today or tomorrow or the next day does not mean God's not going to. A delay is not a denial. And some of God's promises to you and to me are going to be fulfilled in eternity. That's what he's saying. And they look forward to that. And then the third thing it says is that they can't receive the prize. These people who've gone before us, Abraham and Moses and all these guys that he talked about, they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. What's he saying here? The Bible's saying that you and I are runners in a historical, for all of history, relay race. And that God is raising up a people that's going to be his family for eternity. And there have been generations before us who ran the race, and they passed off the baton to us, and now we're running our lap, and then we're going to pass off the baton to the next generation, and they're going to run the race God has for them, and they'll pass it off to the next generation. And the race isn't won until the last runner hits the goal line. Can you imagine being at the Olympics, and it's the 400-meter relay race, and the guy at the second end of the second 100 meters stops and goes, okay, I'd like my medal. Give me my gold medal now. And they say, wait a minute, the race isn't over. No, but I finished my part. No, but you're part of a big race. And the reward is not coming until the whole race is done, and then you get the gold. You don't get it just after you've run your part. You get it after everybody's run. It says they can't receive the prize until we finish the race. That means they're watching us. Okay, they're watching us. Now look at this next verse. Therefore, now, you know, I've always said to you, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, what do you do? You find out what it's, yeah, therefore, exactly. And he's saying, in light of all these people who lived before me, Abraham and Moses and David and all these guys, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, in other words, the life we're living, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And he says, uh, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now he says, we do this, we run the race, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards, after the cross. Now he's seated at the place of the highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. This is a passage on not giving up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. In other words, you haven't died. You're no martyr. You haven't shed your blood for your faith. Now, this passage gives us six very powerful keys to how to keep on keeping on when you feel like giving up. If you have been discouraged by your marriage, your money, your 
job or anything else, you picked a good weekend to come to church. Because this week we're going to look at the six keys to how to endure the tough spots of life. Because they do come. How do you keep on keeping on? What do you do when you feel like giving up? What do I do when I feel like giving up? I need to do the six things that are covered in this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's get right into it. The first thing I need to do is I need to remember that heaven is watching me. Remember that heaven is watching me. Now this is the very first thing the writer of Hebrews tells us when he's trying to give us encouragement to not give up. Verse 1, first part. Therefore, in the light of all these people, Abraham and Moses and Jacob and David and all these great saints of history, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, do you realize that your life is being watched? I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one, but let me just say it this way. Your life has an audience. Nothing you do is private. Nothing you do is personal. Nothing you do is secret. Heaven is watching. Now, we all know God sees everything. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He, in other words, God it doesn't miss a thing. Job 31.4, he sees everything I do and every step I take. God knows your ups, your downs. He saw you being formed in your mother's womb, saw you take your first breath. He saw you commit every sin, every good thing, all of the bad, every part of your life. He knows. He has every head on your hair numbered. He knows every thought you have. So nothing is hid from God. We know that. Other people may not know, but we know that God knows. But not only that, it says here, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. Your life has an audience. Now that even is sobering. The fact, I don't know how this worked, but evidently other people in heaven are watching too. Does that make you happy? No. The fact that Moses could be watching how you're handling your problems, or Abraham could be watching how you handle your problems and going, you think that's tough? You think that's hard? Try leading people out of slavery. You think your, your problem's a big deal? You know, try going to a foreign country you've never been to and starting a new nation. The Bible says your life is being watched from heaven. So don't give up. These people up there are not criticizing you, they're cheering you on. Now the second thing is I must eliminate what doesn't matter. If I want to make it to the end of the race, I've got to do a little decluttering I've got to eliminate what doesn't matter in my life so I can move forward I've got to simplify my life not hang on to a bunch of stuff you know if if you're a a, a, a cruise liner out in the water you can go at a certain speed if you add a hundred lifeboats onto it and you're tugging it along it's gonna slow down if you've got a battery and you plug one light bulb into it, the, bat, the light bulb will go a long time. But if you plug 15, it drains it faster. If you plug 100 into it, it's going to drain it very quickly. As your pastor who loves you and cares for you, I'm concerned that you are maybe trying to do too much. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. 
And you can get so many irons in the fire, you put out the fire. And maybe what you need to do is a little spring cleaning spiritually and go, yeah, good thing, but I don't need to do that. Yeah, good thing, but I don't need to do that. Yeah, I just need to focus on the race because these things are slowing me down. You get too many things going on in your life, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to feel like giving up. Now, this is what the Bible says. Look at the second part of the verse. First, he says, since we're surrounded by a crowd of these witnesses, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. I want you to circle two words, weight and sin, because they're different. And these are the two things that slow you down in life. Weights slow you down and sins slow you down. Now, what are these things? What are weights? A weight is not something that's wrong. It's not something bad. It's not something evil. It's just something good that slows you down. It's anything that's good that slows you down. It doesn't have to be bad. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be an activity. It could be a sport that you're spending too much time doing and it's slowing you down from where God wants you to go. You see, a lot of things in life are not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. So you need to understand that selection is the name of the game. If you want your life to count, you're going to have to learn how to get control of your time. And that means focusing on the majors, not majoring on the minors. Have you learned that you have to say no to some good things in life? You don't just have to say no to bad things. You have to say no to a lot of good things in order to finish the race to do what God wants you to do. You can die doing too many good things. You can drown doing too many good things. Some good things need not to be done just because they're good. It's like money. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean I should buy it. No, there is the discipline of saying no. You have to learn the middle words of the alphabet, N-O. Write this down. To grow, I must say no. To grow, I must say no. So next time somebody asks you to do something good, you stop, you pray about it, and you say no. And you say, my pastor told me. Just blame me. Because if it's not part of the plan, you can be doing so many good things, they slow you down. These are called weights. You've got to declutter. Now, if you start slowing down and you find yourself slowing down spiritually, slowing down physically, slowing down relationally, you you find yourself getting discouraged and you think, I'm not going to make it to the finish line. You need to stop and do a frank evaluation. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. 
Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. Now, I want to send you the Invisible War, Winning the Battle for Temptation study kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.